Welcome, everyone, to episode 196 of Some Like It, Scott. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Shelton, and on this week's episode, we're back in the MCU again with the fourth entry in the Thor sub-franchise, that is Thor, Love, and Thunder. But before we get to that, with me, as always, I have my co-host, Scott Harvey. Scott, you're about to go on vacation. How are you doing? Great, obviously. Um, actually, this is my first recording for my new apartment as well. Yeah, um, true. I, you, you've moved since our last recording. Yep, I have moved to Charlotte, as I believe I have talked about on previous podcasts. So I've been here about a week now. Um, happy to be here. Getting uh, acclimated to some of the movie theaters. I checked out the um, brand new indie theater. They built it just because I was coming. I yeah, think. they built it for you. Uh, yeah. Saw the uh, 4K restoration of David Lynch's Lost Highway, which was awesome. Um, Also, you know, checked out the closest AMC to me a couple of times now. um, And it was cool. I went to see this movie at a 1.20 p.m. Friday afternoon screening, which is something that I never get to do anymore and probably never will do again after this this, uh, week because I will be starting back in my uh, new job. But um, that was nice to go see it with all the, the school kids who were out for the summer. To be fair, I guess uh, you would have been seeing it with all the school kids who are out for the summer regardless. But here we are, nevertheless. Yeah, exciting times for you. I mean, it's been it's been quite a summer for you so far. I mean, you've been on a bit of an extended vacation. You've been really rattling through the movies recently, for better or for worse. Um, I did see someone online compare... Uh, the, the movie we're talking about today to a movie that you did watch recently, which I think was if Bat- if a straight person made Batman and Robin. I think that is what I saw someone describe this movie, this movie as online, which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah. What they meant was it's a worse version of Batman and Robin. And if that is what I assume that's what they meant. And if so, I agree, uh, because oh, Batman I, and Robin is a lot of fun. I think I mean, the way I interpret it is that it's the same quality as Batman and Robin. And it's trying to be gay, but really it's straight. That's well, yes, because because Taika yeah. Waititi has made a lot of comments like this movie is very yeah. gay, yeah, and it only by Disney standards, which is to say they mention it more than once. I think <laughs> there's more than a brief kiss, yeah, uh, like in Lightyear, maybe I don't know. Although the woke, mor- the woke moralists are at it again, you know? <laughs> yeah, we'll see who cancels who. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that that gif is the gift that keeps on giving. Um, or the gift. Jordan Peterson finally did something good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, his one contribution to culture, I guess. Yeah. Uh, for better or for worse. But yeah, I mean, why not? Let's just go ahead and get into it. As previously mentioned, this week's review is Taika Waititi's second and most gay outing in the MCU after he helmed the third Thor movie, Thor Ragnarok. That is Thor Love and Thunder. The fourth Chris Hemsworth standalone film finds the Norse god of thunder cruising to the stars with the Guardians of the Galaxy, but after receiving a distress signal from fellow Asgardian Sif, he decides to part ways with Star-Lord et al. to rescue his former companion. He arrives at Sif's location to learn that a being called Gore, played by Christian Bale and nicknamed the God Butcher, is rampaging across worlds, killing every god he comes across. It's unclear what his motivations are, but he wields a powerful weapon called the Necrosword, capable of felling even the most powerful deities. Sif warns Thor that new Asgard on Earth is Gore's next target, so he races there to defend his people alongside the now-promoted King Valkyrie, played by Tessa Thompson, and, to Thor's surprise, his ex-flame-turned-fellow-Thor Jane Foster, who now wields Mjolnir, played by Natalie Portman. The Norse Guardians are able to defend off Gore's assault, but not without seeing the children of new Asgard kidnapped first, 
as Gore and his shadow creatures make their escape. With his ex back in his life, his people's children missing, and some drama between Mjolnir and Stormbreaker, Thor and YTT have a lot to juggle. But Scott, are Hemsworth and YTD able to successfully keep all those plates spinning and deliver another winsome outing for one of the longest tenured MCU heroes? Or is Thor living long enough in the MCU to see himself start to become a bit of a creative villain? Yeah, I mean, I guess I would say that this falls in the middle when it comes to Phase 4. You know, I did not care for Black Widow or Eternals. Um... I enjoyed, to varying degrees, Shang-Chi, Spider-Man, No Way Home, and Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. This movie falls somewhere in the middle, I think, again. Better than Black Widow, not as good as Shang-Chi. I think mid, in general, is the way I would describe this movie, I think, uh, just as a general review. And, you know, I actually had not seen Thor Ragnarok. It It was one of the few MCU Films that I had not gotten to, um, but I did watch it. I said I would watch it uh, before this film, and I did. It was a little overhyped for me, I think. Um, you know, it, I I did enjoy parts of it. I thought Jeff Goldblum was great. Um, definitely the funniest part of the movie for me. Um, but, you know, just not really my sense of humor, probably overall. Um, and the visuals, while better, were, you know, still kind of artificial looking. Um, it's not just about the color. Like, yeah, I know I complain a lot about how the movies are like dark and ugly, but glowing it up doesn't automatically make it better. And I think this movie is an example of that as well, Um, because there's definitely I mean, they definitely glow it up in certain scenes and other scenes, not so much. But um, everything just looks very computer generated, which it is, of course. But I feel like there's ways to do it a lot better and smoother and also in particular there's so many shots where you can just tell that they're on a green screen, like the, the start of the movie in particular, like the first sort of battle scene that happens. It's like, they're not even trying really to, to mask the fact that, you know, Chris Hemsworth probably wasn't even on, maybe not on set with some of these people when he was doing these, these scenes, like it's bad for a movie that costs as much as this probably did to make um, $250 million. Yeah. Well, it, it doesn't show up on the screen. To use Roger Ebert's old adage, they must have used they must have taken a limousine every time they went to the John. If that's how many uh, how much money this movie costs, um, nothing new, of course, really for recent MCU films at least. Um, but still disappointing to see again for somebody like Watiti, who I think would say he prides himself on, you know, being more visually interesting than some of the other MCU directors. Certainly, if not, you know, most directors, he would say that uh, at least. Um, so that's a down downside of the movie for sure. The humor is very hit or miss for me. I mean, I did did laugh at some things. I think Korg is generally still pretty funny. Um, you know, Taika Waititi's character. Um, but other stuff, it comes off as childish. Like, and I felt the same way, honestly, about a lot of the Hulk gags in, in Thor Ragnarok. Like, um, I get absolutely zero enjoyment or humor out of hearing Mark Ruffalo talk in hulk voice for like 20 minutes of the movie like it's extremely annoying and there's similar type bits here i mean one that got on my nerves was thor talking to the axe repeatedly in the movie uh stormbreaker the axe uh, like you know as if it was a real person um and not just a floating axe that is not anthropomorphized in any way 
um, which you know it has again, a soul just, though. Scott Stormbreaker yeah. has a soul. Very sort of juvenile humor, just not for me. Um, and I did not care really that much for Christian. I mean, a lot of people are are praising Christian Bale and the villain. Like, I guess his performance is fine, but like this is another. I mean, I felt the same way about Hella, about Kate Blanchett's character and Thor Ragnarok. Really, a waste of a you know top, really top top tier actor um, in this role. Um, you know, they give him like five minutes of backstory at the beginning of the movie and it's almost like taika waititi's like we did it we solved the mcu's villain problem we get we gave him a backstory and just kind of gives up on it after that um so that was a disappointment too because obviously seeing christian bale come in here was one of the big draws of the film and wasn't interesting like a, you know just it di didn't do anything for me boring motivation boring character yeah. Um, on the good side, I actually think that the central emotional undercurrent of the movie, which has to do with Thor's relationship with Jane, with Natalie Portman, works pretty well. Um, I bought in pretty early on. I really like the montage set to ABBA where Korg kind of tells about, you know, their past relationship and whatnot. I thought that was fun. Um, and we see all these scenes of them, you know, together when they were dating or whatever. I think they set it up really well. Um, and I liked, you know, the the tension of um, what we learned about Jane. I guess I don't, I don't know if I'll spoil it yet, but what we learned about Jane, um, what that that sort of the perspective that that gives Thor on his life and their relationship and everything. I thought it worked. And I thought that, you know, one thing that I am often critical of in MCU films is that they will not let emotional moments sit. They always have to punctuate it with a joke. I actually think there are a couple of times here when, weirdly enough, Taika Waititi, of all directors, does let those emotional scenes, you know, sit. And it works. There's there's one a particular when they're on the ship um, and they're headed towards, I guess it's after they've left the... Uh, omnipotent city um and they're they're going to find christian bale's character um that i thought was a really good scene like actually kind of touching um and i like i like how it ends up like i thought that they carried that through really well and i was surprised because so much else of the movie didn't work for me that i thought that the um that central you know emotional undercurrent which is really sort of again the heartbeat of the film was really driving the film forward I thought it worked. I thought Natalie Portman did a nice job. I thought Chris Hemsworth did a nice job. I never have had a problem with him in this character. I think he's fun. Um, and that really is the saving grace of the movie for me. Like, I thought they did a, a surprisingly good job of handling all of that. Um, so, yeah, a mixed bag. I guess I would say I trend more negative. Um, but, again, I think what's good is good. There are some laughs. The, you know the the relationship stuff really works i think between thor and jane and it's it's not boring like uh, you know the worst mcu movies to me like eternals or um captain marvel or something like that are really boring movies this movie wasn't boring it's less than two hours um generally it keeps you engaged even when you know the visuals and the action is kind of un are kind of uninspiring um so i didn't have an awful time with it 
but it's just you know I, I think it's still probably going to be a pretty forgettable movie and and like i said mid seems like the right word to describe it yeah i definitely agree that it's a pretty heavy mixed bag for me i was a fan of most of the performances i think tessa thompson the one was the one for me who was like really notably just like did not seem that interested in uh in being in the thor movie i think that you know she had her weird threesome photos with taika and rita ora or whatever um from like a couple years back and you know maybe that's all grown a bit dull uh for her because she doesn't seem particularly interested um and being in this movie the rest i actually i liked christian bale's performance i thought he brought a really good physicality to the villain role um a lot of the times I just feel like it's kind of just like a person standing on the screen and you're told this person's a villain and therefore they're a villain. And then, you know, maybe, maybe they throw some punches or whatever, but um, I, I definitely put this in, in sort of, I need to think a little bit more about it probably, but I definitely put this in the upper echelons of like MCU villains and j- just based alone on, on the performance. Cause I think that Christian Bale, I mean, he has such a unique physicality that I think he brings to all his roles. He really is able to adapt the physicality from role to role. And I think that the sort of like lanky sort of almost ghoulish character that, that Gore is, I think Bale is able to like really do that a lot of justice. Um, I do agree that the backstory feels a bit discarded after the first five minutes, although it does, I think come back around in the final moments um, at the conclusion of the film, but in the middle, you know, it's hard to, I think it's just re- I think it's just a reality of superhero movies that it's really hard to like, unless you're making your movie about the villain, um, which I think is what Black Panther was ultimately able to do is that a lot of that movie is about Killmonger. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's really hard to, to sustain that level of um, sort of intrigue in your villain. And I think for, you know, what's within reason, I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying this is an excuse for giving them a password, but within reason, I thought that, that it was done pretty well. Um, in the grand scheme of things, that doesn't mean that it was a great villain. Um, and I think that's ultimately where I land on that topic. But overall, I don't know. The humor did not work as well for me as the previous Thor film. I, I think part of that is just that I'm, I'm again, I'm just kind of over the the Taika Waititi stuff right now. I'm just not in, I'm not in the zone for it. It felt, it felt really fresh in 2018 or 2017 2017, 2017 yeah. yeah when thor ragnarok came out it doesn't feel fresh five years later anymore um i mean people were getting a, a real hoot out of a lot of the jokes in my theater um and i and i guess i get it but i just i don't know i i laughed at something sort of like you were saying but most of it i wasn't laughing nearly as much as with ragnarok but I, I also at the, uh, agree with what you're saying is that in, in spite of that, like, I, I do think that there are parts of the, other parts of the film, you know, even more than the Christian Bale stuff that I was just talking about that also work. I do think that, you know, we were talking about Chris Hemsworth just a couple weeks ago on the podcast, um, but he's he's continuing to sort of just, you know, whatever, whether it's he's that good of an actor, whether he just chooses the right roles. I don't know what it is. I mean, this one's obviously his you know, longest standing role at this point, but. He does a good job with this character. The whole stuff with the Guardians at the beginning, God, that's just tiresome. Just tiresome. It was so stuff. perfunctory, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
there's no way they were on set together. There's absolutely no, no way that anyone besides he and Chris Pratt were on set together. They're, like, there's no way Dave Bautista's on set with them. No, <laughs> there's no way. Um, it was unbelievable. That it was unbelievable. That was even in the film. Like, why you did Bradley not feel Cooper, like you needed it? Bradley Cooper called in from the set of Maestro or something. Probably. Well, Bradley Cooper doesn't need to be. He he's not. Sean Gunn is doing the is doing the the mocap for for Rocket anyway. He always does. So Bradley Cooper. I think he had like one. I think he had one line. Oh, yeah, he doesn't need to be on set anyway. Well, yeah, he, he only had like one or two lines anyway. But. Yeah, he and Vin have never been on set, I, I think. But uh, uh, they actually, wouldn't have needed to be. Human Sean Gunn is is on, on screen <laughs> also. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the best part is that there's yeah. there's Rocket Sean Gunn and then there's real Sean Gunn, which was also, I think, the case for... Uh, uh, for for was it suicide this like the Suicide Squad movie? What wasn't he yeah. Weasel, he but weasel, also another right? character? Yeah. But wasn't he also uh -huh. like another character in the movie? I think I so. Remember. He very briefly, yeah. Well, more Sean Gunn is not a bad thing in my opinion. No, I'm I, not complaining about Sean him, Gunn. Yeah. Just no, I know you are. Yeah. Just more, just I that first twenty minutes of the movie. I mean, goodness gracious, I just like don't know what they were doing. Um, and then that had already been pl like plentifully clowned on even before the movie came out because the trailer features a lot of a lot of shots from those first few scenes. Um, and it didn't look much better on the big screen than it did in the trailer. I'll, I'll say that and leave it at that. But after it gets out of that, like I agree when, once you sort of get Thor back in the mix with Jane, I think there's some interesting stuff there. I'm not sure that it, it worked to the same extent for me that you're describing, but it, it wasn't a weak part of the movie. And I, and I think the emotional beats are so often the weakest parts of these Marvel movies. Yeah. Um, it was That's nice really to have, me, yeah, totally. It was nice to have, you know, an emotional arc that felt better than average, um, you know, for these films. You're talking about how there's not like punctuating an emotional moment with the joke earlier. They were still throwing jokes in there in that scene that you're talking about. I just couldn't I, believe it. <laughs> I was just like, guys, yeah, well, I, I, in some places, again, I think that scene they pretty much made it through Scott Scott Free. Like from the point on where she reveals to him what is going on with her, she makes a joke right after saying it. She's like, "Oh, uh, never mind. I don't have cancer. I'm just kidding." I don't think that that was really meant to be a joke, though. I think that was just her. It was supposed to take the take like the like the drama off, having like some the shock off. at the fact that yeah, yeah, I mean maybe, but it wasn't as egregious to me as like it sure. usually it's is. No, yeah, not as egregious is probably a fair way to put it. Um, yeah, but the but the film goes by really quickly. I thought Omnipotent City um, was fine. It felt, I mean, it felt very like I don't remember the name of the of the planet. Um, that they're on for, but it felt very much like they were in the court. It it felt like a very similar vibe to to when you know Jeff Gold, like Russell Crowe is just Jeff Gold. Russell Crowe playing the Jeff Goldblum. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I can't wait to to log on in more detail and see what people are saying about you know Russell Crowe trying to like I don't know pass as gay or something like that. I don't know. Like that's gonna what did they do to my baby Zeus? Um, I can I can see the I can see like the the weirdo tweets already. Um, a lot of complaints about that, but I, I look forward to that. I, I'm not dreading that. I'm looking forward to to going on Twitter and seeing those because um, flamboyant Zeus was funny, um, even though it felt more like uh, it, it it didn't feel like the movie was trying to really do anything interesting with that, um, which I think goes back to the whole joke about you know if a straight person made a movie trying to be gay. Mm. Um, don't need to revisit that though, but. Thought that was I thought that scene worked overall. Um, 
yeah, the stuff with Korg. I mean, Korg's a good character, and in spite of being tyked out, I still think Korg is a good character. Um, yeah. He's basically, I will say this though about the whole telling the backstory thing. It's they're just ripping Ant Man. They're just ripping Luis and Ant Man, Michael Pena's character. I mean, see, I don't know Ant Man well enough to like. Say you haven't seen, that. Yeah, but you saw Ant Man the Wasp, I, like Michael Pena. I've seen it, but like yeah. I don't remember these movies, Scott. Like I really don't. Like, well, there's I'm the whole sorry, bit where Michael Pena is like tells the story or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I know what you're. I, I, I recall now that you have triggered it for me, but I actually liked. I, I, some people probably won't like it, but as a very, very casual viewer of these movies, I liked the intro of Korg mm-hmm. doing the basically previously on the MCU segment where he like catches you up on all of what's happened in thor in like the last little bit some of which we already know from the past movies some of it is like you know what is actually happening we have it right in the interim but i thought it was you know it didn't overstay its welcome it was helpful it was entertaining because it's course he cracks a couple jokes i liked the running joke about how he says like oh jane fonda or jodie foster or whatever he's talking about jane i thought that was funny um it was good for somebody like me. Like I, I thought, I think every MCU movie should have that now. Should have Korg <laughs> doing a little stinger at the. Beginning. I mean, I'm sure for the right price, Taika would do it for him every single movie. Yeah. Um, at what point though would he start to phone it in? Is the question. Like, like all things, I guess I don't know, but Scott, I feel like I've talked a lot. Like, the action scenes are not interesting. Like maybe the first. Maybe like one of the shadows, like with, with the shadow creatures is like fun. But then it just got super repetitive. Wasn't interesting. The movie didn't seem particularly interested in its action, which is fair enough. Uh, like it didn't seem like the movie cared that much. I, I mean, to be fair, I don't think Taika does care very much, to be clear. I don't yeah. think that's something that he's interested in. Um, the, only, yeah. the only shot I kind of liked was when Jane first appears as Thor and like shoots all the pieces of the hammer yeah, out and it like a kills cool a bunch of people and then it all comes back together and forms. That was like the only moment where I felt like the action had like some imagine imagination in it. You didn't like Zeus getting a lightning bolt, getting, getting bolted with his own lightning rod. It was okay. Yeah. It was okay. Yeah. I, yeah, I think overall though, that was a cool seeing that for the first time was cool. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think Tyke is interested in the action and, and, it showed on the topic of Jane being Thor. I feel like that stuff is pretty poorly handled to be honest with you. Like it is so like in passing, they're like, how did you become Thor? Oh yeah. Cause I was like looking at a book and I saw Mjolnir in there and it spoke to me. And like, that's really like the one or two, it's like one or two sentences to explain how, how the suddenly she like can harness Mjolnir and like the power of Thor and everything. Like I felt like it was pretty, I think that, done. yeah, I mean, I think that, that they they do a little bit more than that, talking about how, like, Thor had, like, wished Mjolnir to protect her or whatever. Um, there's yeah, that one extra yeah. scene. That's true. Yeah. But I think, but but I don't disagree with the point you're making. I do think that, like, <laughs> when when Captain, in, in Avengers Endgame, when Captain America catches Mjolnir, I mean, that is, like, yeah. the biggest shit in the movie. Like, that is And huge. now it's like... Yeah, people lost their their yeah. minds, and I think they just like conceded up front that like, and it's and it is inherent. I understand that it's inherent in the arc of the comic book that that is clearly based off of. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that they did themselves a little bit of injustice there, just slapping that in the trailer and then like cutting the movie as if you've seen the trailer and know that this is not a big deal. Like this is not going to be a big deal. Um, I'm just kind of surprised that they chose that. 
I mean, I'm sure everyone did know that that going in, but I just think that they sort of robbed themselves of, you know, a moment in a movie that I feel like typically the like Marvel Studios has been really interested in creating yeah. these like sort of like crazy moments. I think, you know, you saw it in No Way Home. You saw it in Avengers Endgame. Um, you know, the sort of fan service elements that actually like work, right? Like giving giving a reason to like actually, you know, properly cheer for something that's actually exciting in a movie theater. Unlike, you know, cheering when the fucking Marvel Studios logo hits on the screen. Yeah. I mean, um, that's because, and that's basically like the only moment in this movie where that would, would actually be like that, honestly. So I let's talk a little bit more about the characters. Um, I mean, you, you said Chris Hemsworth works well for you and, and particularly the sort of the chemistry and the, and the interactions with Natalie Portman's character. Why don't you elaborate a little bit more on that? What about this performance? You know, even four movie, you know, four standalone movies deep, you know, he's been in like three or four Avengers movies. What keeps this character sort of fresh and, and winning for you yeah i don't know i mean he's not doing anything new certainly here as the character um i just think something about like the shakespearean heft that he like brings <laughs> to every line while also being like not super serious at the like same a time just being also being a chad yeah like i like the the sort of dichotomy there between those uh -huh. two forces within him i think that's you know again that's always the thing that's drawn me to this character to some extent and i think you know hemsworth's hemsworth's good for it because you know he definitely has the physical you know acumen like to be a believable like meathead but mm -hmm. also i think he's a more skilled actor and can bring that extra layer of knowingness to what he's doing that i think makes the character pretty well run i mean i feel like it took maybe a little bit of time for them to really perfect this character like I don't actually hate the first Thor movie. I know some people do, but I think it's fine. But I feel like we didn't really see the, the the Thor that we see today until like, you know, maybe the Avengers or even even a little bit later on. Like, I feel like they were still trying to hit that right balance in the character that I'm talking about. Um, I mean, I'd argue you don't really see the Thor that you see today until Thor Ragnarok. But yeah, that's that's maybe true. Uh, I, I mean, I think a lot of that is just the MCU kind of figuring out what its identity was going to be. Yeah. And now, obviously, they have such a, you know, pretty rigid formula that they're not trying to rock the boat with anything that has worked before in the past. And, and, and obviously, think, this version of Thor was very popular. Thor Ragnarok was very popular. So, yeah, I think that you see that in the sort of. It's like it's like you see that the sort of machinations of like, you know, the Marvel Disney machine work for for better and for worse. I think with another Thor movie, you know, letting Hemsworth and YTT come. Like, I mean, obviously, Hemsworth's going to come back. YTT comes back. They both do their things. You know, if you liked Ragnarok, you're probably, you know, to varying degrees, you're going to also like this movie maybe a little bit less. Um maybe a little bit more i don't know like your mileage is probably going to vary um but like you're going to get the same vibe from the movie and i think that that works overall however at the same time like it's also the same machine that like creates these like just absolutely terrible you know opening 15 minutes of the movie that they're just churning out like sort of like franchise bait content like connectivity into the wider mcu you know using you got to turn this out so who cares whether we're we're taping in front of a green screen or if we're trying to create some sort of practical effect in combination with some cgi 
I, I think it's like you see both sides of the sword almost um, in this. And and one of the positive things is, is Chris Hemsworth. But, you know, he, you also have to sort of like, you know, put up with the negative of that sort of beast as well. Yeah, I'm sorry. But people who are like, I, I don't know, Multiverse of Madness is just OK for me. But this is is great, like a return to form. I'm yeah. just like, this is why we can't have nice things right here. <laughs> Truly. Uh, yeah, I've been reading the paper recently, and it's funny that they everyone is saying that this is the reason we can't have nice things. There's nothing else going on in the world why we can't have nice things right now. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> it's actually the MCU, um, especially MCU fans on Twitter uh, is the reason we can't have nice things. But yeah, I, I like Hemsworth. Portman, I mean, I was sort of surprised that that she would come back. I mean, I know she was a bit sour, I think, about being left out of um, Ragnarok after she sort of really wasn't pleased with the characterization I think in the dark world, but then with the sort of the revamp, not being asked to come back at all, I think rankled her a little bit. But, you know, that that bridge can be mended for the right amount of money. Um, I assume that it was significant uh, yeah. to, to get her to come back to make good on that. But she's good. I, I still am not like 100 percent sure why she came back. I mean, I know that I know why, but like, I don't know, man, like it doesn't really seem like it matters that much. It does work well overall for the film, probably. And I like the performance, but I also just like kind of don't really get it. And then this is kind of how I feel about this. A lot of the characters and stories like I mean, I understand why all the other characters, I guess, are there. But like, what are we really doing here? Like what where like what is the real point of like a lot of like a lot of these things? Like what is Thor See doing? You'll see that doesn't bother me. Like again, I I am more of a fan of, and I felt the same way about Ragnarok. Is like I actually like that Ragnarok didn't really have that much connection to like the uh, the MCU as a whole or whatever. Sure, you get Loki in there, you know, you get Hulk in there, but like it's a standalone movie, kind of. And you know, I feel like this movie Maybe. is pretty similar to that because because obviously I don't care that much about the MCU as a whole anymore I mean I kind of did pre-endgame but now I'm like just show uh, me some good yeah movies. sorry I don't really mean in connection to the MCU as a whole it's just like I don't know what the character like where the character is going like ultimately oh. Ragnarok works really well for me because it feels like a third or arguably fourth movie where the the like relationship between Thor and Loki is being explored. So, some of it might be a retrod in some departments there, but like ultimately like the resolution of the movie, I think in terms of character development for Thor brings you to a place where, you know, you're you're sort of at peace with the relationship that he has with Loki. I mean, he does die whatever that means in the MCU, you know, at the beginning of of Infinity War shortly after the events, shortly after the events of Ragnarok, so, you know, it, that is your conclusion to some extent. But with this, it's just like, I mean, I don't really understand what the point is. Like, Jane's uh, dead. Well, what I mean, what I would say is it seems like he has a maybe kid. They're set, well, that's what I was going to say. They're setting him up for to have maybe his last hurrah, right? Like, Thor's been around for a while. I feel like at some point we're going to see the end of this character. Maybe this is the beginning of that of we're introducing now that he has a daughter, right? It's basically uh christian bale's daughter but like he but it's, um, it is chris hemsworth's daughter though, which is yeah, the funniest part adopts uh, her um but no it's literally his daughter oh, though. the actress is like his, his daughter, daughter. Oh, i didn't yeah, yeah, yeah. that but yeah, um yeah, yeah. she wasn't great if i'm being honest but um anyway I mean, they're she's setting like five it up. like there's no good yeah, yeah. yeah they're setting it up to for this character to take the mantle of 
of Thor uh, is what I would imagine in the future for the daughter to take the mantle and mm-hmm. you know be the next Thor. That's I mean that's like you know, twenty years. Pure, She's not going to be old. Pure enough, speculation. But, yeah. but yeah. I mean maybe they don't use the same actors. Like you know maybe they jump we jump forward a little bit and you know Millie Bobby yeah. Brown. Millie Bobby Brown. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's how I see it. And that's kind of for Jaina, at least, you know, talking about the, you know, you mentioned like she was a little upset that she didn't get asked to come back. Natalie Portman. I see it as they gave her a nice send off in this movie, right? Like they, you know, brought her back. They get to rekindle their relationship. They get to have a nice little final moment together. And then in the post credit scene, we see that she goes to Valhalla with Heimdall and she died as a hero, basically. And you know, yeah. she gets to live happily ever after. So oh, it's not like, again, it doesn't have a lot of long-term significance, I guess, ultimately. But in the context of the movie, I don't know. They get they 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 they, they close the loop with the character in a way that I felt was... Are you not on the edge of your point. seat for the you know, Valhalla MCU TV show on <laughs> Disney Plus with Heimdall and, and Jane? I mean, I wouldn't put it out of the question. That's the other thing I will say. I like that she died because... To your point, I mean, of course, we don't know that she's actually dead. We don't know what's going to happen. I mean, we know she's dead, but we don't know if she's dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Multiple times in this movie, they, like, Korg, you think, dies, right? But it's like, oh, no, they find his face, and he's like, Valkyrie gets, like, stabbed. Her last action in the movie is she gets, like, stabbed right through the chest by Christian Bale's character. And it's like, oh, shoot, she's gone. And then there's like one line like, oh, she's in the hospital and she's recovering. And then you just never see her again for the rest of the like, She gets like the last scene in the movie where she's training the, like the kids or whatever. That's and, true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She dramatically lowers the stakes for like all fight scenes when the actual likelihood of anyone significant dying is so low. Um, so I like that we get a little bit of riding the ship by like Jane has cancer. You're not going to be able to beat cancer even in the MCU um, that we know. Wow, of. pessimistic yeah. approach. No one can beat <laughs> cancer. Mean, uh, sorry, but uh, I think know, more people have beat cancer four. than have beat Gore the the Necro Sword. So stage four, stage four though. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, let's not get into the apples and oranges on that. I guess, but um, the point is, the point is, um, <laughs> they actually, yeah, they did it. They were they were not afraid to say. All right, she's gone. And, you know, I probably imagine that Natalie Portman, that's one of the reasons I think she might actually, this might actually be it, because she came back, right? She And I feel like somebody of her caliber, of her age at this point, is probably like, I'm coming back. She pulled a Harrison Ford, right, in Force Awakens. She said, I'm coming back, but you're this is it for me. Like, oh, we're yes. going to give me no, a nice Noted thing. 40-year-old actor Harrison Ford. You know, okay, I wasn't. it wasn't a one-to-one comparison, but you I, know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, that's why, you know, the post credit scene, she's going to Valhalla. I mean, sure, that could be a Disney Plus TV series or whatever. But I took that as yeah. we can finally close the door on this character now because she's died and she's gone to a much better place and she's a hero. She's yeah. gone to a much better place outside the MCU. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Natalie she's... Portman is going to go back to being Natalie Portman, which is yeah. a very talented Oscar winning actress. So. You know, I, I don't know what truth there is to this, but I just found it hilarious that there were like these quotes or whatever um, circling how Taika Waititi asked Natalie Portman if she'd ever thought about being in a Star Wars movie and if she wanted to be in his Star Wars movie. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, I've been in three of them. Oh, 
Speaking of Natalie Portman, uh, I've been watching some Top Chef recently, oh and they recent episode they actually had to cook for Natalie Portman. Um, and so it was like a show uh, thing. It was like it, it, the season was in like 2009 or 2010, and it cracked me the heck up because like they introduced Natalie Portman as being like the guest person, and one of the it goes to like one of the contestants, you know, doing an interview, and he's like. I couldn't believe Natalie Portman was here. I mean, you know, she did Star Wars and then not really much else after that. But, <laughs> you know, Star Wars is, I was yeah. like, what are you talking about? This is, I mean, even in 2009, 2010, that was like, a didn't she just, day. she had just, she just done Black Swan, right? So that was 2007? 2000, that was 2010. Black Swan was 2010. Oh, uh, okay. I thought that was earlier. So she hadn't quite won a roster yet, probably, but still, like, she had done other movies. It was just funny to me. But anyway, right. Yeah, I mean, she was one of those Boleyn girls, wasn't she? Mm-hmm. She was in that one. Um, yeah, I, I mean, look, you know, she was cool. She was cool in twenty in two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Cut her a break. She's still cool. Yeah, yeah. She's like the same age as Anne Hathaway. It just blows my mind. I feel like she's older than that. Yeah, well, I think Anne Hathaway's maybe had some more work done, but yeah. <laughs> All right, shots fired. Just, say, just, just saying. Apropos, apropos of nothing. She looks great. Look, God, I wasn't just, just taking shots. I wasn't, I wasn't being critical. She looks great now. I'm just, you know, I'm just saying that might be why you think that there's a bit more of an age difference there because. Well, I just think that I think of, of Natalie Portman being in movies from the early 2000s, and I don't think, I know that's not necessarily true, but I don't yeah, think of Anne Hathaway as being, and, yeah. as making movies in the early 2000s. I think that's the sure. thing. I know that she well, did, but. I mean, yeah, Nat, I mean, that's just Natalie Portman started younger. I mean, you know, she was in Leon the yeah. Professional and Heat and all these movies in the 90s. So, but, that, like, but that's the point. Like, I thought, I, like, that's yeah. why I think she's, she's, yeah, 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 sure. Yeah. Um, I think of her as older, but really she's 40. So, you know, good for her. Um, if, if only we I'm could all man, be 40. 40. What'd you say? I said, I'm a man, I'm 40. I did. I'm like Gundy impersonation. Got it. Um, that one went over my head. Apologies to all. Uh, Christian Bale Scott uh, hates some, since apparently you thought he was trash. I, I know that's not what you said, um, but the yeah, talk more trash. about Gore the God Butcher. Yeah, I mean it's just I don't know. You're probably right that I'm just not really going to get on board with one of these villains unless they structure a lot of the movie around them. But I don't feel like they did that. In, you know, Spider Man Two, for example, and I think Doc Ock was a great villain. Like. Well, Batman a lot of, even, but a lot of Spider-Man Two is about the relationship between Octavius and Peter. No. Yeah, no, that's that is true. That is fair. Um, the, I, I guess uh, to your point, though, like it's not like it's not like very many of the recent villains in the MCU have a personal connection to the hero that's fighting them. Yeah. In the movies, which allows it to be more front and center. And Black Panther, it's you know they don't know each other before the movie starts, but they're little they're related. Um, you know, all those early shouldn't say all those a lot of the early mcu movies have probably have a better chance of having better villains because there's actual personal relationships between the characters i mean winter soldier it's bucky is oh, like good i stain hive sure i mean i was thinking about that one I, I don't know if he's one of the better villains in the mcu <laughs> but tony does have, tony does have a relationship with him um you know winter soldier with with bucky and um etc cetera, etc cetera. but yeah it, it is an issue can we just say mad respect to jeff bridges cashing in his mcu card on the first movie and then just piecing out i mean the, the mc first. he didn't even know the mcu was going to be a thing at that point i'm Pro sure he's kicking not, but they did have the post-credit scene in, in iron man one so I yeah i don't think that. they came to jeff bridges to be like bro 
you can yeah. be the first. Uh, but anyway, shout out to shout out to Jeff Bridges. He went on and like won an Oscar after that. So um, that's true. And now he's in the old man. Yeah. Uh, what were we talking about? Oh yeah, Christian Bale. Um, yeah, I think I don't know. It was just boring to me. Like it kind of was. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't find the design of the character interesting. Like I don't find his backstory, which is like his motivation is basically like atheism right like i want all gods to die because this you know i asked my gods for help in this time of suffering and they didn't help me well that's uh, not that's okay that, that's not quite exactly why i know that's what you're simplifying it but yeah he, he goes on a rampage because he asked his god why he hadn't spared his followers or helped his followers and the god said your job is to suffer for me yeah. um spat in his face and said his daughter deserved to die so i think there's a little bit more juice behind that than uh than you're giving it credit for but i also take your point yeah i mean again they, they like I, my main problem was they just like they kind of get it out of the way early and then sure you know he just becomes a generic villain you know i just think a lot of the scenes that he's in are not interesting to me like they all again bail's fine but like also the scenes that he's in are like visually really bad like his cave or whatever is so dark. Like literally when the child army is fighting his like demons or whatever at the end, right, yeah. it, there are some shots where it looks like they are just fighting like blobs. You cannot even make out like what they are supposed to be fighting or doing or anything. Well, so Scott, I think they weren't can... fighting anything on the green screen they were shooting on. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that is, that is true, but uh, it b- scarcely looked better than Birdemic, like the coat hanger scene. But, um, <laughs> But yeah, but like I think that probably contributes like to some of because because those scenes happen and I'm just like I just like check out. I'm like, well, nothing interesting is going on here. Um, and then you know, there's a couple of Christian Bale moments, but he's just like very serious, which like is fine, but it just feels a little weird in this movie, like in Thor: Love and Thunder, the Taika Waititi film, to have a villain who is just so like you know, super serious and not, I mean, like the, you know, people said that you, you mentioned the Batman and Robin thing. Absolutely not. Like in that regard, like, you know, Batman and Robin, the villains are, you know, maybe the most over the top characters in the whole movie. And that's saying something. So <laughs> they are, nuts. that's definitely not, not the case with Christian Bale. Like he's actually trying to give like a serious, like intense, good prefer- performance here. And I feel like it was a little tonally off with the movie that probably had something to do with it too. Did it need more gold bloom? I mean, most things do, so. I mean, it does feel tonally similar to Hela in Ragnarok, which I think was. Well, yeah, and I didn't like Hela either, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's an example of a villain being, you know, having a personal relationship, although, you know, didn't know he had a sister before that, and just totally um, screwing the pooch, to put it nicely, probably, in terms of villain characterizations. Kate Blanchett, you know, probably deserved better. Christian Bale probably deserve better maybe they should make a like a villains mcu show um you know just have christian bale yeah. and and uh kate blanchett come back and, and waste Alfred their time melina except he's not a villain anymore so that's true he's been redeemed um i guess does he count as an mcu villain i guess he does yeah he does now they've they've made it canon i guess different universe weird times um any other set pieces you want to talk about i mean we didn't really talk too much about omnipotent city which is a big the sort of the big center of the film if you will um you know you talk about being 
boring the sort of the the, the last act in, in terms of visually being boring if there was a a scene to point to that's less boring it probably would be this but i'm curious to hear your thoughts if the scene worked for you yeah i mean we saw the shots like from the trailer and everything of this it sure. looks like a freaking pc game like it honestly does like <laughs> the, the the establishing shots of omnipotent city like when they like right it's after they arrive art. It's just, it just yeah, art. it looks yeah. like a freaking PC game. Like it honestly does. And not not like a PC game with good graphics. I was gonna like, say and I know what you I know what you mean. If people it, I tweet, it, yeah, it, yeah. I think I, I tweeted like that it reminded yeah. me of like firing up Empire Total War on my uh X thirteen hundred Radeon or something in like two thousand eight. But yeah, n- um, nowadays PC games are often often thought to have the best graphics yeah, um, yeah. Uh, in, in the market, but I I know what you mean. <laughs> So that's just, you know, that, that takes me out of it. I thought Russell Crowe was fun. Like, you know, I, I feel sad for how his career has gone. Like, honestly, because he was like one of the big actors in like the early to mid two thousands. And I think he's a a good actor. Like I I really liked a lot of, you know, those early roles and the insider. I think he's incredible in that movie. I think that's easily his best performance and gladiator a few weeks ago. Yeah, great. he's so good in it. Um, L.A. Confidential, obviously, Gladiator, Beautiful Mind. Like, I think he's really good. Master and Commander. Master right? and Commander, yeah. yeah. Um, and then he just fell off. Um, and it's it's kind of a shame. So it's it's nice whenever he pops up in something notable. He's having fun. I'll give him that. Like, that's, you know, he's having more fun than Christian Bale, it seems, is. He was um, a victim of the Dark Universe, Scott. He was Dr. Jekyll, I believe. Yep. That is true. He uh, he was supposed to be in there. Um, so I, I had I had a good time with that part of it. But again, there's just like stupid stuff like, you know, the, again, it's from the trailer. But like, oh, he gets his cloak pulled off and we see his butt. Ha 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 ha. Like this is those, the level of humor that we're working with here in like this omnipotent city. Yeah, I scene, mean, his so. his, uh, his personal attaches, his women all faint yeah. at the sight of Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Genitalia. I mean, same probably, but we're like, you know, we're, we're, I it. feel like we're on the precipice of having fart jokes in the MCU. Like we're, we are almost getting to that level, honestly, with some of this stuff. But, but. that's also like kind of Tyka's humor. Um, yeah, I don't know. He does go a little bit more on the juvenile side sometimes. Um, but, you know, yeah, his last movie was about juveniles. So um, uh, hilarious that I feel like the vibes of this movie and that are more or less the same, but it just really, I mean, I guess ultimately I probably, probably like jojo more than this movie at the end of the day a lot of but, people like jojo rabbit so I mean, but i'd say that that one of the one of my major complaints about that movie is the vibe that like is using and i'd say at the end of the day i still think the vibe is a good thing about the, about this movie it's just funny how it's like it depends on the context of of what you're getting but yeah not even that much action really in this scene you know he fights zeus but he kills zeus and then he doesn't gone. kill zeus but yeah of course because no yeah. one's really dead and yeah Post credits, which yeah, yeah, and let's go there. You talked about Valhalla already. Then there's the other one. Um, have you seen Ted Lasso, Scott? No, but I know that that was Brett Goldstein playing Hercules. So. Yeah. Um, when they pan across to Brett Goldstein as Hercules, I was like, "What the fuck? This <laughs> <laughs> just happened in this movie." I mean, it is it is the MCU picking the flavor of the month. It really is like. I would not put them put it past him doing Millie Bobby Brown as like Thor's daughter or whatever in the in the next movie like that would feel right too. Well, she's also like that would be a great choice because she's a great actress. <laughs> <laughs> because yes, yeah, she is. Yeah. Yeah. Brett Goldstein 
what is he doing playing I mean, he's Hercules? Won an Emmy. Not not for not for being a serious actor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm so, I'm so I mean like I think his character is hilarious in Ted Lasso. Like kudos to him. But like what? <laughs> I'm, I'm I can't even think of like a good equivalent. Um of this just like the b- most bizarre casting it'd be like making chris pratt star lord or something it, you know <laughs> you know what it actually would be like it'd be making like harry styles a a, a person at the end of a, in, in a in a post-credit scene yeah that's what it would be like would never happen um that hasn't happened right i need to go check my notes to make sure that hasn't happened before um yeah you know there, there's a lot going on with introducing new characters and post-credit scenes recently i mean we, you know harry styles jokes aside i mean you have Thanos's brother or whatever, whoever he's supposed to be. Um, I forget what the lineage of all that stuff is. He's related to someone. I think it was maybe Thanos, but I don't remember. Um, although that doesn't really make much sense now that I said it out loud since he's not purple. But, you know, this character that Harry Styles is playing, his name I cannot remember. Um, you know, you have... God help us all. Um, you have Brett Goldstein as Hercules. You also have um, Charlize Theron's character at the end of of uh i guess that was dr strange right um introducing a lot of new characters i don't know when these characters we're gonna have mahershala ali we know as blade i mean yeah i guess we might be having uh who knows whether the whole uh you know john krasinski thing is gonna pan out or not but i'm talking about in post-credit scenes yeah john krasinski yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but just introducing using your post-credit scene like cachet to introduce characters that you're not gonna see for like years like are we gonna see like is he gonna be in like the guardians movie since thor is apparently supposed to be in the guardians movie maybe at least he was once upon a time i don't know if he is anymore because i know originally guardians was going to come out before love and thunder and now it's not so i don't really know i don't know and i don't care frankly yeah i just don't understand like i get teasing stuff but like who like this is just so weird like mahershala is one thing right because we knew that that movie is like being made yeah we know that's happening but like when is Charlize Theron going to be in the MCU? Like, is she like, are we going to wait for the next Doctor Strange movie for that? Is she going to be in like an MCU TV show? That'd be really freaking weird if Charlize Theron is an MCU TV show. And like, that's her first meaningful appearance in the MCU. I mean, I know they have that big crossover shows that, like is it Secret Wars or whatever. So like maybe she pops up there. I don't know. Although I don't really understand why she'd pop up there. Um, and, you know, like, when is, like, what is this deal? I just don't understand. I mean, that's the thing, right? And I think this is my last soapbox before we get off of, we can get off of this and get out of this, this review. It's just like, I I do, I feel like there's a lot of legitimacy in saying that, like, phase, the start of phase one was not that good. You have to, like, let Marvel cook a little bit to build back up from the start of this new saga that they're doing. But I think that, the, like, the direction for phase one of the MCU was like very clear where things were going. Like after the Iron Man movie, like you were given a post-credit scene with Nick Fury, where he's trying to gather a team to protect the world. And that, and that led straight into Avengers. Like there was a clear line of sight. Once that, once that sort of those, those roads were built to drive just like straight to where they were going. And it, you know, we are six movies deep into phase four. How many movies have we had, Scott? three four five five, five or six cool. movies five no, six, movies six. it is six yeah multiverse of madness um 
No Way Home, Shang-Chi, Thor, oh, Love and Thunder, Shang-Chi was Black the one Widow. Was, yeah, Shang-Chi Avengers. was the one I was forgetting. That's right. We're six movies into Phase 4. I have absolutely no idea what we're doing. And that's fine. But, like, when you're six movies deep and you've had, like, five TV shows now and you have no idea what's going on, this is where I'm at right now. Like, I just don't know what the point is. And maybe there, maybe the point is just to, like, make movies and make money. I don't know. Like, maybe that's the point. Yeah. But, like, it felt it always felt like the MCU and the Infinity Saga had a point. Maybe it, maybe it was more apparent in some movies, less apparent in others. And we were just having fun in some movies. And other movies were more about driving you forward in this sort of, like, overarching narrative. I don't know what we're doing like 11 titles deep in phase four. Um, and I think that's sort of my like sort of overall just like this and like starting like growing disinterest in the franchise where I was totally on board like, you know, six years ago. Um, you know, I felt like it was, you know, every movie felt fresh in a different way. And I just I just feel tired. And I feel the same way about Star Wars, frankly, too. That's a completely separate conversation. Yeah. And not to go too far down this road, but again, this is why I feel like Endgame was it, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Now it's almost like they are afraid to work towards anything because whatever they work towards is not going to be as good as Endgame. Like, I'm sorry, but it's not. I don't believe that they will ever hit that high again. Sure. Um, with the I, I don't, I don't think that they have to to justify their existence. And I know we've had this conversation no, I don't before, either. but I just feel like they, I'm sure that they are working towards something. It is not happening fast enough, in my opinion, to keep me like ultimately, maybe I should put my money where my mouth is or, you know, not not literal money, but like my time where my mouth is and just stop watching these shows and stop watching the movies. I'm not going to do that, but maybe I should. But I just like I'm not excited about the next MCU movie. I wasn't that excited about this movie, to be honest. And that's crazy. Like Thor Ragnarok is in my top five, I think mcu movies and it's crazy that i wasn't excited for the follow-up for it and i think that's like super damning on like where the franchise is right now um look maybe that doesn't really change or affect anything i just think that the i think the 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 destination of where we're going to next not necessarily the end but like where we're going to next just needs to needs to sharpen i think there's just too many characters and i have no idea what we're doing with all of them right now yeah you know i don't disagree with that all right, I'm falling off my soapbox, Scott. Favorite scene or moment from Thor: Love and Thunder? So we haven't mentioned yet the cameos, which uh, were yeah. pretty fun. Go um, ahead. Matt Damon, um, Sam Neill, Melissa McCarthy, all Luke showing Hemsworth. up. Luke, Luke Hemsworth, yeah, all showing up during this uh, the theater scene on uh, the new Asgard. Yeah. Um, when you know they're performing basically the events the of Thor Ragnarok, yeah, on um, oh, the beginning of it, yeah, 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 with you know Hella being revealed and everything, and yeah, Melissa McCarthy is Hella. I mean, it was funny. It, it's funny. Matt Damon, he always you know kind of understands the assignments, and he's he has so many cameos at this point. Like he has to have like the most cameos of any huge actor. Um, but he he you Stanley. know he's, he's hamming it up to great effect. I think uh, in his you know, a couple moments, he gets another moment, like a few scenes later. And I do want to say, I feel like there is a good movie to be had just about Asgard when they're like chilling in the town hall. And by the town hall, I mean the green screen on which they put the image of a town hall. Um, <laughs> I was like, there's, I feel like there's a great, Parks, there's a parks like, and rec show. Exactly. That's there's a Asgard, Gilmore yeah. girls, like small town, like comedy to be had here. Uh, like and they've with, got like with Valkyrie, kid. Valkyrie walking around with her, yeah. um, her 
Phantom of the Opera t-shirt on as like the de facto <laughs> mayor of this this town. Like it, it would be it'd be fun, but of course, no, they have to ruin it and be like, oh, we're out of here. She's still there at the end. They could still make the TV show. The Guns N' Roses soundtrack I did not enjoy, by the way. Like it just feels so obvious. Like those songs have just been needle dropped to death. Like oh, yeah. Taika Waititi probably went to like one football game and was like, Oh, welcome to the jungle, man. This song would go so hard in one of my movies. Sweet child like, of mine. Credit scene. Here we go. Yeah. I I'm sorry, but like, you know, I love needle drops and like nothing gets me hype, like a good needle drop, like going into an action scene. And I was just rolling my eyes, like at how obvious they were like i said now the 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 abba one like i said i did like that they went for the abba song for our last summer during that little montage but other than that speaking of cameos jeff goldblum peter dinklage and lena hetty were all supposed to appear in this film but their scenes apparently were cut from <sighs> cut from the movie would you have preferred more cameos scott yes <laughs> okay i mean lena hetty would have been a new character i don't think she's been in the mcu right but uh Goldblum obviously would be and I can't Dinklage I can't keep track at this point. Yeah. Well, yeah, Goldblum and Dinklage would have been reprising their previous roles. Yeah, but of course. um I don't think Lena Hetty's been in the MCU yet. I could be wrong. I don't know. Um yeah, Scott. I, I too I do like the, the I, I did like their sec the second scene where they're like, do we immediately start, you know, creating this for the stage like after yeah. the town hall? I thought that was that was really funny. Um, um I do want to say real quick because I feel like I didn't come back around to it. The okay. scene on the like boat of where she says oh, yes. I have this, cancer. This reminds me what I wanted to talk about. Go ahead. They have an they have like I think a nice genuine moment of connection between mm -hmm. the two of them, and they let it happen. There's no, you know, egregious jokes to ruin it. Another part I liked was when they're walking into Omnipotent City. Any it, it was in the trailer, but um, where he they're talking about her catchphrases or whatever, and then. Thor was like, oh, you never forget your first or whatever. And they both kind of look at each other because they realize it has like a secondary meaning. Like it was good writing, I thought. Like it was it was a nice. Did you like that they brought it back at the end? Subtle ish moment. Yeah. Subtle ish moment of like, you know, uh, saying something in the context of like a bit, but it has like a deeper emotional resonance. Like I think that's the thing, to, you know, that that's a way to smartly integrate humor into your movie. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, you didn't know this did. This was the one thing I wanted to talk about. Not as my favorite moment. But so what did you think of the goats, Scott? <laughs> Pass. Yeah, that's what I thought you would say. Uh, I will say one funny moment with the goats because I just I, I can't even think of my favorite scene or moment right now. But one of the things that I they did just yeeted into the planet. <laughs> that is exactly what I was about to say. That was so funny um when they just because you think they're about to like enter into like the atmosphere of this planet or yeah. whatever and they just boom like you just hit like it's the freaking moon or something um well you know that is kind of what it looks like at the end of the day but that was so funny <laughs> when they just run straight into the planet that did actually make me laugh um oh my god those goats are so goddamn annoying i could not I, like we were two or three times in when they were like bleeding or whatever and i was like i'm gonna kill myself in this film it's awful, yeah. gonna end it all right here all right scott out of 10 what are you giving thor love and thunder 5.9 it was uh slightly above average um again i i liked some of the central things happening actually but a lot of the same mcu stuff that i always complain about is still a big problem and you know dare i say even seems to be getting worse 
This is an above average MCU movie, or do you mean above average and like you know strictly five out of ten speaking? Above average movie in general. Okay. Five point nine is above average for you. Okay. All right. Well, okay. Well, I, I guess I'm thinking of like five being the average, which is not really true. It's it's. Uh-huh. I mean, again, on my scale, it's like five is like average, not average in the sense of. I, that is where a lot of movies gravitate around. Mm-hmm. But just like a movie that is just truly just okay is a yeah. five out of ten for me. And this okay. movie is slightly better than okay. just okay. It's uh, okay slash good. Yeah. Somewhere in the middle. Um, I yeah, wouldn't say so it's that's... good. I wouldn't say it's good. It's not. I know. Good. It's, in the, it's, it's, it's between okay and good. It's not, yeah. it's not good. Um, yeah, I'd agree with that. Scott, I don't think this movie is good at the end of the day. Um, 6.0 feels right. I think I'm in the same ballpark as you. I think this is not a good MCU movie, ultimately. I think this is like, this is probably bottom half MCU, uh, in the bottom half of the MCU for me. I, and I, and I think that a lot of it, just to sort of put a bow on it, I do think a lot of it is that this worked five years ago and it just feels tiresome now for the most part. Like it feels like a like slightly not as good version of the movie from five years ago. And it's five years later. Like, why are we making a, the same movie but worse five years later? I don't understand what we're doing with that. And even though I said it was mid, like, I'm I'm referring to Phase 4 specifically. Like, I agree with you that it is probably a bottom-tier MCU. I mean, the, fa- the fact of the matter is, movies in Phase 4 just haven't been that good. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. Spider-Man had some high points. Shang-Chi had some high I mean, I think Multiverse of Madness is clearly the best one to me. But, um, sure. you know, otherwise, like... You th- sorry, it's, this- better than, it's better than No Way Home for you? Yeah. Okay. It's better. Again, I, we don't need to relitigate No Way Home, but like No Way Home has oh, a I'm lot not of trying senti- to. Yeah, I'm sentimental um, value, which I, you know, talked about a lot on the podcast. But in yeah. terms of what I think is a better movie, I do think Multiverse Madness is a better movie. Got it. Um, yeah, I, I yeah, I'm not enchanted with too much yet. Um, I think mid mid is a perfect way to describe this phase. I liked Multiverse of Madness because it was different. Um, I like No Way Home because it hit sort of like fan service in all the right ways, mm-hmm. I think. And, you know, there are certainly elements of Shang-Chi that I really enjoyed. But Eternals is one of the worst movies in the MCU. Black Widow is so forgettable outside of Florence Pugh. And, you know, th- like I said, this movie feels like the same movie I watched five years ago, but a worse version. Um, you know, maybe a slightly better villain than Christian Bale. I don't know. But it's not good enough to merit you know, comparisons trying to decide the minutia of what's better or worse. Um, Cause ultimately it's, it's worse. Um, but that's it. That'll do it for our discussion of Thor love and thunder. When we get back, we'll be talking some news um, and some trailers, which we haven't done trailers in a, in a hot second, mainly because um, you know, I'm hitting the streets of DC every week campaigning against trailers um, in this, in this year of our Lord 2022, but we're going to talk some trailers um, for some upcoming movies as well as uh, Steven Yoon's casting in what is be- quickly becoming a star-studded affair. That is Bong Joon-ho's next film. We'll be right back. All 
right, welcome back for part two of today's episode of Somewhat Get Scott. You know, during the break, Scott, we were talking about our Lord and Savior, James Cameron, and how he is just taking dunks on people um, who who talk about movies being too long when they binge watch seven hours of Stranger Things Stranger episodes Things, yeah. um, in a row. And so we're going to manifest that energy in part two by making a really short part two. So that made absolutely no sense as a transition whatsoever. But we're going to go ahead and go right into part two. First up, the news story that I wanted to mention, Stephen Yoon has been cast alongside uh, everyone, I think, now that I'm checking my notes. Uh, I think Monkey 7, which is the Bong Joon-ho movie, is quickly becoming uh, the new Oppenheimer in terms of casting people. Um, it, it it really is like the golden trifecta of Oppenheimer, Barbie, and Monkey 7 that are just trying to cast everyone in Hollywood, I think, into their movies. Uh, but Steven Yeun feels like it's a great addition. Um, I know that he doesn't have a major role, in nope later this summer but i am excited to see him in something new you know in just a couple weeks time in nope i mean he was he was such a such a strong um character performance in minari a couple years ago and i've been looking forward to seeing sort of more of him in bigger roles because he you know he's been in some small stuff before as well so it's not like he was a newcomer yeah. in minari but i'm um, excited to, see him. to be incredible in too which i've never seen but the lee chang dong movie what sorry i just missed the first part of what you said Burn, burning yeah, it's it, that that has been on my list of things to watch for a while. And I feel like it's the right time of of year for me to watch that. So I feel like I might watch that watch that soon, especially with, I think, a, you know, a lot of, um, you know, Korean Japanese movies, I feel like on the festival circuit later this year. I mean, already it can coming out later this year. I feel like I might get in the get in the mindset of that. So um, I definitely see that on the radar. I'm excited to see him in the movie. I have no idea how significant the role will be, because like I mentioned, the movie's pretty cast up already. We know, I think it's Robert Pattinson is the person who's going to be playing the lead um, in the film. And, and it, it has several, um, you know, a handful of other people already cast in it. So unclear how big the role will be, but exciting to see the two working together. Yeah, I mean, of course, you know, Bong Joon-ho's um, next project after Parasite was always going to have a lot of, you know, attention swirling around it. So it's not surprising to see him working with this, type of cast you know um, mark ruffalo tony collette also in the movie um it's not surprising to see that obviously he's worked with you know big names before he worked with uh, chris evans on snowpiercer so um he knows how to work with movie stars um so that you know that's great obviously i was going to be excited for the movie no matter what um mm -hmm. i will say though that i think you know some of the fun of parasite was getting to see a bunch of actors that you might not have necessarily Sure. before maybe with the exception of song kang ho right because he um is is in most of bong's movies but um mm -hmm. yeah like I, I so i hope that um you know maybe bong will still give a prominent role or two to like if not a notable korean actor then like you know some someone under the radar right that um because i think and they've worked together i mean he was he was in okja things like that so it's right, not like right, they yeah. before. Well, yeah, I guess he is giving Stephen Yoon. I that's what the whole story is about, and that's that's an Asian actor, right? But you know, I'm I mean somebody who's a little more undiscovered. Uh, oh, I see. Like, what you're like in Parasite, okay. yeah. Um, gotcha. So yeah, yeah, because he was able to raise the profile of a lot of those people. I mean, mainly Song Kang Ho, but um, yeah. I mean, Scott, could you even name anyone else in that movie besides Song Kang Ho right now? Yeah. Um, what's the name? Park So Down. She's the one who plays. Um, okay. Good Jessica, there you go. Uh, also, Scott, I've been calling this movie Monkey Seven. It's Mickey Seven. Mickey Monkey Seven, Seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
We'll just say it was a mispronunciation. Maybe you or something. But no, yeah. I, I did misspeak. It is true. <laughs> anyway, I'm excited for the movie, and I do hope that Song Kang-ho shows up in it. Maybe that's what I'm really trying to say. Turning this this story about Steven Yoon into a, a prayer for Song Kang-ho. Um, Steven Yoon, yeah. I mean, I, I don't have anything to add to what you said. I mean, I've seen him in pretty much the same stuff that you have, and I also uh-huh. enjoy his work. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. All right, Scott, you had a couple trailers you wanted to talk about. Let's let's hear about what movies these are. I assume one of them is is The Way of Water, Avatar 2. No, that one's been out for a while, so yeah, uh, not much to say there. But, but the rope in uh, the water, I mean, it looked amazing. Speaking yeah. of trailers, did you see the Black Adam trailer before uh, Thor? Uh, Scott, I cannot talk about the Black Adam trailer. I want to commit suicide every time I see it on screen. That was one of the worst trailers that I've ever seen. Like, that movie looks horrible like I'm sorry, i saw it in front movie, of elvis too actually last i night. was like number one i forgot they're really still releasing this and number two yeah. why are they still releasing this after seeing the trailer oh my god it looks so bad um anyway the rock's real heel turn was becoming just one of one of the worst actors in hollywood i think no comment but yeah um the trailers I wanted to talk about. Um, <laughs> one is this movie, See How They Run, which we have known about, but I feel like was flying a little bit under the radar in terms of like what we were anticipating. Um, yeah, sure. We probably should have been anticipating it more in retrospect after um, this trailer because it's got some people that we both really enjoy. I, I think in particular for you, Scott, like the vibe and the story of the movie oh, yeah. seems like something that you're really going to be able to get into. It's a murder mystery, basically. Um, it's a period type thing. Um, mm-hmm. Tom George is the director. He's a first time, uh, yeah, he featured is. director, I believe. Um, yeah, and uh, the movie stars uh, Sam Rockwell and Saoirse Ronan. Um, uh, Saoirse Ronan playing um, a rookie cop um, investigator detective, and Sam Rockwell playing the more veteran who they team up together to try and investigate um, this crime. Uh, Adrian Brody is also in the movie, um, someone who I'm increasingly becoming a fan of. David Oyelowo, um, a few other names you might recognize. But it looks really fun. You know, a lot of people have compared it to the Grand Budapest Hotel and Knives Out, which I think those are good comparisons after seeing the trailer. Um, and to be clear, I have, were... I have not seen the trailer. So I, yeah. I, yeah, just to be clear. And I'm not really saying too much. I don't think there's much to spoil, but. Um, no, I agree. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, some people were saying that kind of critically, saying, oh, well. Yeah, whatever, is... bro. I, I'm like, if you're going to make it like other movies, you sh- you know, it's usually a good thing when you choose really good movies, and those yeah. are two really good movies. So um, I, don't have a tr- I don't have a problem with it. Like, I am fine if people want to make more movies like The Grand Budapest Hotel and Knives Out, that's for sure. Um we're just trying to have some fun out here. I mean, if Tom George can pull off a, a Wes Anderson, Ryan Johnson cross on his first film, I mean, Godspeed, my guy. But yeah, this is coming out limited release in um, September. And then I don't know if it's going to like have any festivals or anything like that. Well, not it may not September. be that type, type of thing, but I, think I guess it could be at right? Venice. It could be at Venice, I guess. Or yeah. which one's earlier? No, t- TIFF. TIFF. Yeah. Yeah. Could be at um, so we'll see. But it looks fun. I'm glad to see Saoirse Ronan like lightening up a little bit, maybe like, you know, Doing she's... something different. I think is what you mean to say. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's something different. But, you know, it, it's yeah. it seems like all of her recent movies have all been like, you know, heavy prestige, like Oscar candidates and stuff. And 
Uh, I mean, I guess she had a couple that flopped, like Ammonite and On Chesil Beach, but like those were still that style of movie. And um, the seagull. The seagull, yeah. So it's nice to see that she's doing something a little more fun because, I mean, she's in the Grand Budapest Hotel um, and she's quite good in it. So, um, and the French Dispatch. I don't think there's there's much she can't do, uh, but it's still nice to see her show off her versatility. The other movie, Scott, is Amsterdam, which is David O. Russell's new movie. This is one we obviously have talked a lot about. It's on my we list. It up on our most anticipated podcast, right? Um, because this movie is huge. Um, it has pretty much everyone in it. Um, Truly. After looking at the trailer, after seeing the trailer, it looks like, you know, the the three central actors are going to be Margot Robbie, John David Washington, and the aforementioned uh, Christian Bale, who um, are playing these sort of three friends um, who, you know, are like longtime friends and end up sort of, it looks like, framed for some sort of murder. Again, it's a period thing. It has some similar vibes even to see how they run set in the 30s. Um, and they end up sort of getting framed and are like kind of going yes. on a little quest to free themselves basically is, is what I got out of this trailer. They are the suspects, uh, but, you know, if not framed. I don't know if they're framed or not, but they are the suspects. Yeah, you know, like heavy period vibes and stuff. We see like, it looks like maybe some like magician stuff going on, like some prestige style um, stuff. Maybe, you know, we got Rami Malek in there and Andy yeah. Taylor-Joy and, um, you know, a lot of other names Taylor that are in Swift. this movie uh yeah taylor swift and mike uh, michael shannon yeah. um chris mike rock. myers chris rock uh is like the very first person you see in the hero so. right he's a guy as well um gill so this movie's gonna be huge obviously he's it's gonna a guy be a big thank you for the oscar candidate <laughs> oscar candidate um and i think the trailer looks looks solid scott i mean i think you know the movie I like the setup of the movie. You know, I, I'm I'm a sucker for a good period movie. Um, I love everyone. Well, I love all of the actors who were involved in this movie. Let me correct that before I say I love everyone who was involved in this movie because that's not true. But, Scott Harvey uh, is on the record. Not Rami, Rami Malek. Malek not is, Rami he's Malek. a huge before fan of Rami Malek. Uh, <laughs> before you say that, except yeah. for him, um, yeah. I, I love everyone who's in here. I mean, a lot of my favorites. So. Looking forward to this one, Scott. This is one I have seen the trailer to. I could not just go and watch the show because I feel like we just knew nothing about the film. And yeah. I put it on my list and I was like, okay, I got to go watch the trailer for this. It doesn't give that much away. So it, it gives you the premise of the movie and that's about yeah. it. Um, guys, this movie looks like a great time. Um, Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, John David Washington. Hell yeah. Let's go. I mean, yeah, that's three rock stars right there. So. End of tweet um, in honor of James Conn. R.I.P. James yeah. Conn. Um, and with that RIP, I think we can probably wrap up the episode. Scott, where can people find you on Twitter? I am at Scarby Dent on all social media. You can go over there and wish him luck on his Jeopardy audition. Um, Thank you. at the time when this releases, it'll probably be the next day or the same day. Um, yeah. so, you know, if you listen to it early, go wish him luck. You can find me at at Shelton 2013 on Twitter letterbox and and serialized i'm i'm watching tv again guys i've watched severance it rips best new show i've watched in a while in terms of like season one of a new show absolutely great great shit would definitely recommend um obi-wan i would not uh don't forget to also check out our podcast patreon page at www.patreon.com slash media blog pods if you support us over there we'd appreciate that if not it's okay you can still find us on apple Podcasts, spotify 
and wherever else you listen to your podcast, where we'd love it if you rated, reviewed, subscribed, shared, etc., so that we can continue to reach a wider audience. And we really appreciate you for taking time to listen to us chat about movies. We'll be back next week with a review of the adaptation of the Delia Owens mystery drama novel, Where the Crawdads Sing. We hope you'll join us for that. But until then, for Scott Harvey, I'm Scott Shelton. We'll see you next time. See you down the road.